<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Jennifer Crumley didn't pull the trigger that day, but she is responsible for those deaths. Band-aids don't stop bullet holes. And that's what this case is about. It's about the prosecution attempting to put a Band-Aid on problems that can't be fixed with a Band-Aid. Trial is underway right now for the mother of a school shooter. Despite this being the very beginning, there's already a lot of drama in this courtroom. We are gonna be breaking down the compelling moments so far from the Michigan case of Jennifer Crumbly. Welcome to Sidebar, presented by Law & Crime. I'm Jesse Weber. Okay, so a very important trial is happening right now. Unprecedented is a word that I would use because this is the first time in the United States that a parent is on trial for involuntary manslaughter for their child's mass shooting. Yeah. Now, Jennifer and James Crumbly, they are the parents of the Oxford High School shooter who killed four students, injured seven others in November of 2021. It's happened out in Michigan and we have now been seeing the rare move of charging both his parents with involuntary manslaughter for their alleged roles in their son's crime. Jennifer, James Crumbly, they each face four counts of involuntary manslaughter. James Crumbly's trial is scheduled to start in March. But according to prosecutors, James Crumbly bought a semi-automatic handgun for his son and then didn't secure it properly. The state also claims that the Crumblies knew their son was having all of these mental health issues but didn't get him help. Things like he was hearing voices and was experiencing delusions, hallucinations, and in fact, allegedly asked his parents to take him to a doctor for help, but instead, James told him allegedly to suck it up, and his mom laughed. Now, days before the shooting, a teacher allegedly saw the eventual shooter researching ammunition during class, and when the school contacted his parents, they allegedly didn't even respond. Prosecutors say that Jennifer Crumbly, though, sent a text to her son saying, quote, LOL, laugh out loud, I'm not mad at you, you have to learn not to get caught. Then just hours before he would eventually open fire inside of his high school, a teacher allegedly saw a note on the shooter's desk that said disturbing things like, thoughts won't stop, help me, blood everywhere, along with the drawing of a gun and a bullet. The Crumblies were called to come to the school at that point. They told school officials that they would get the teen counseling, but they did not take him home. So he returned to class, and soon after, he started shooting. The shooter, who is 15 years old at the time of the massacre, he was sentenced to life without parole in December after he entered a guilty plea to 24 charges, including first-degree premeditated murder and terrorism causing death. Now, the defense attorneys for the Crumblies had hoped to avoid a trial altogether, even appealing this issue to the Michigan Supreme Court, but the court issued the following ruling, saying, quote, an order of the court, the application for leave to appeal the March 23rd, 2023 judgment of the Court of Appeals is considered and it is denied because we are not persuaded that the question presented should be reviewed by this court. So that means the trials for both Jennifer and James Crumbly will move forward with Jennifer up first. James's trial, as I said, is in March. Okay, so let me explain, if I haven't explained already, why this is so unprecedented. The idea here 
is that Jennifer, we're going to stick with her trial because she's up first, that she was a cause of the shooting, that she knew there was a risk, it was foreseeable this shooting could have happened, and she disregarded it. She acted with gross negligence. Now, you might be saying that's impossible to find someone guilty of manslaughter given these circumstances. I would say not so fast. Why do I say that? Because we covered another case on law and crime. It was out of Massachusetts where a young woman named Michelle Carter was found guilty of involuntary manslaughter for the death of her boyfriend, who a judge determined encouraged him to commit suicide after she pressured him to do so over the phone, through text, through phone calls. She wasn't even there. So this idea of expanding the use of involuntary manslaughter to unique situations, it's not that foreign. But okay, let's take a look at the opening statements from day one. This is the opportunity for each side to lay out the case. Opening statements were delivered on Thursday. And here is prosecutor Mark Heast. I want to introduce you to Anna St. Juliana, Madison Baldwin, Tate Muir, and Justin Schilling. They died on November the 30th of 2021. They weren't in a car crash. They weren't sick. They were murdered in an act of terror committed by Jennifer Crumley's 15-year-old son. Jennifer Crumley didn't pull the trigger that day, but she is responsible for those deaths. These kids were gunned down inside Oxford High School with this gun. It's a six hour, nine millimeter handgun purchased four days before the shooting by James Crumley, Jennifer's husband and father of the school shooter. This was a purchase celebrated by Jennifer on Instagram. These are her words, this is her post. Mom and Sunday testing out his new Christmas present. My first time shooting a nine millimeter, I hit the bullseye. The evidence will prove that by the time this gun was bought, the school shooter was in a downward spiral that had begun months before. The evidence will also show you that Jennifer Crumbly was aware of that. Despite her knowledge of his deteriorating mental crisis, Despite her knowledge of his growing social isolation, despite the fact that it is illegal for a 15-year-old to walk into a gun store and walk out with a handgun by himself, this gun was gifted. You will also learn that despite all of that background, this firearm was not secured in a way to prevent her son from gaining access to it. The evidence will also prove to you that even with all of that, on November the 30th, Jennifer Crumbly was still given the opportunity to prevent these murders from ever happening. Instead, she chose to do nothing. Now, the evidence will show you that she didn't pull the trigger, but she's responsible. But there is no claim that she gifted that firearm to her son knowing he was gonna commit the attack. There's no claim that she wanted him to commit the attack. So how can she be held responsible when her son pulled the trigger? And the answer is, she's not charged with murder. She's charged with involuntary manslaughter. You see, murder is, it's an intentional killing. Involuntary manslaughter, by definition, is unintentional. It's rooted in negligence. And that's what this case is about. It's about Jennifer Crumbly's willful disregard of the danger that she knew of. That's why we're here. We're not here to talk about good parenting or bad parenting. It's not illegal to be a bad parent. 
We're not here to put restrictions on gun owners. That's not our job. That's not your job. That's for lawmakers. We're not here to talk about who else might be culpable or who else you think shares some blame. You will learn about the media on November the 30th. You may not like the fact that neither the school counselor nor the dean of students searched school shooter's backpack. That's okay. That's okay. Because that does not mitigate Jennifer Crumbly's culpability. You're gonna learn a whole lot about James Crumbly and their son. But James, he's not on trial today. He has another trial in front of another jury. Their son, his case is over. He's already been charged and convicted and sentenced for terrorism causing death and first degree murder. Today is Jennifer's turn to stand trial. And you will evaluate the evidence as it pertains to her and her only. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So it's not that she intended for this to happen. It's that she disregarded a foreseeable and substantial risk. She created an environment for this to happen. That's the argument. Again, pretty unique, pretty novel, but it could work. And I'll say, if you're going to charge a parent with involuntary manslaughter, these are the kinds of facts. This is the kind of case that you need. But that is one side, right? It was the defense's turn to counter what the prosecutor just said and try to tell their side of the story. Here's attorney Shannon Smith, who started off her opening with maybe kind of an odd statement. On my way to court today, I blasted Taylor Swift to warm up my voice and calm my nerves. And there was a line in one of her songs that summarized what this case is about. Band-Aids don't stop bullet holes. And that's what this case is about. It's about the prosecution attempting to put a Band-Aid on problems that can't be fixed with a Band-Aid. The prosecution has charged Jennifer Crumbly with involuntary manslaughter in an effort to make the community feel better, in an effort to make people feel like someone is being held responsible, in an effort to send a message to gun owners, and none of those problems will be solved by charging Jennifer Crumbly with involuntary manslaughter. It's the same effect as when your child comes to you with a boo-boo and you give them a Band-Aid that they put on that doesn't take away the pain and can't undo what's happened to them. And in this case, a Band-Aid will never bring back the lives that were lost by Hannah, Justin, 
Kate and Madison Baldwin. And the evidence in this show, in this case, is, is absolutely horrific. Much of the evidence is going to make you sick and disgusted and scare you, traumatize you. And quite frankly, there's no reason the evidence needs to be shown. Mrs. Crumbly, myself, everyone in this courtroom agrees that on November 30th, 2021, the worst possible thing happened. Some Taylor Swift lyrics to start off with. Look, not the weirdest thing I've heard. Remember in Young Thug, the prosecutor used references from the Jungle Book to start off her opening. Anyway, the idea here is that we need to hold someone accountable, right? Society demands it. Let's hold Jennifer Crumbly, but that's not right. Let's continue on with the defense's opening statement. Prior to November 30th, Jennifer Crumbly was the mother to a 15-year-old son, and she did not have it on her radar in any way that there was any mental disturbance that her son would ever take a gun into a school, that her son would ever shoot people. The evidence at trial is gonna show you that Jennifer Crumbly did the best she could as a mother to a child who grew up into a teenager and had no way to know what was going to happen. You will hear testimony that the school never notified Mrs. Crumbly that the shooter was having a quote, rough time when he spoke to the school counselor. You will hear testimony that the school never notified Ms. Crumbly that previous work found in the shooter's files showed that it leaned a little bit towards the violent side. When you evaluate that evidence and know what she knew and what she didn't know and learn the context behind the slivers of evidence this prosecution's presenting, you will see that this was absolutely not foreseeable. This was absolutely not expected. And I am going to ask that you find Jennifer Crumbly not guilty of involuntary manslaughter. So you can start to see, A, she didn't know what was going on with her son, and B, put the blame on others like the school. Jennifer Crumbly is actually starting to shift responsibility to James, not surprisingly since their trials were severed, separated, arguably for this reason. But the idea, well, James bought the gun, not Jennifer. James maintained the guns in his house, not Jennifer. It was his job. There were even reports that Jennifer was blaming her husband in jailhouse communications. But okay, so you can see where both sides are going to take this during this trial. Okay, we're going to get back to this case in just a minute. But listen, although we are talking about some very heavy subject matter right now, and not to take away from that in any way, I do want to just thank one of our great partners and sponsors here on Sidebar who helps support this show, Deal Dash. Now, Deal Dash is very cool. Why? So Deal Dash is an auction website. It's been around for 14 years, and they have some awesome deals, these super exciting auctions. The way it works is you buy bids, and then you bid on things that start at $0. Everything on the site starts at $0. So then they gave me actually $100 to start out with, which comes out to $770. 
Not going to lie. I have my eye right now on this red ATV that's going for pretty cheap. I just don't know what I would do with that in New York City, but I guess that's besides the point. But okay, you might be saying, what's the catch, right? Well, you're going to pay up front to bid. So for instance, here, after you sign up, they ask you to buy 400 bids for 30 bucks, which means you can bid 400 times in any of their auctions. But they have some seriously quality items here. I mean, they have these watches. They have copies of Spider-Man 2, the video game. That's awesome. I'm a big superhero guy. I mean, they even have a 2023 Lincoln Aviator for under $18,000. Now, is Deal Dash for everyone? No. Some of the auctions can take hours or even days on end, so you really need to invest the time for bidding. But if you like bidding on auctions and you've got time in your hands to figure out how it works, you can get some pretty sweet deals. So check out DealDash.com. When you sign up, use my promo code LAWCRIME100, and you get 100 extra free bids on your first bid pack purchase. And if you don't win an auction using these bids or you don't like it for any reason, contact DealDash. You're going to get your money back, no questions asked, on your first bid pack purchase. So the downside is really limited. It's worth a try. So do me a favor. Check out DealDash.com slash LAWCRIME100. Once opening statements wrapped up, the prosecution called its first witnesses. Let's start with Molly Darnell. Molly Darnell is a teacher at Oxford High School and one of the seven people who was shot. She testified that she heard a commotion in the hallway, then three loud pops and slamming doors. That's when the principal came over the loudspeaker and announced a lockdown. Now, according to Darnell's testimony, the shooter didn't hesitate to fire at her. I lock eyes with him. And I instantly see that movement. And I jump to the side. Okay. <clears throat> what happened after you jumped to the side? Um, as I jump, I and, and was the night. Did you ever get the night lock installed at that? The point? night lock was not installed at this point. Okay. So when I move, um, I kind of jump and turn my body this way at the same time. Okay, and you're, for the record, you're motioning, turning your yeah. shoulders to the right. To the right. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel uh, like my my left shoulder moves back a bit, and I feel a burn like hot water had stung me. Where did you feel that? Um, in my um, arm. Which arm? In my left arm. Okay. And you're pointing to your, your yeah. right below your shoulder? Yep. Okay. And are you... Are you standing up? Are you sitting down? Are you? I'm standing up at this point in time. Um, I feel that hot, that hot burn go through my arm. Um, and I turn back. There was a window in the back of my room that leads out to the courtyard. And I see a bullet hole. I put the tourniquet on. And it, I'm in my head, I'm thinking, okay, what, what do I do next? What's like the next move here? And my daughter texts me. Um, she didn't go to Oxford High School, but she went to a neighboring school district. Um, and they had heard through social media that there was a shooting at Oxford High School. And so she sent me a message and just said, um, Mom, are, are you okay? Um, and I responded to her that um, I love you. Um, I'm sheltered in place, and I'm fine. You didn't tell her you were 
excited not to fire a shotgun. It's pretty harrowing to hear, but also from a legal point of view, it's important to hear because the prosecution has to prove that a shooting took place, right? That's fundamental. A shooting took place, people died, people were injured. You need to establish that before you even get into who's responsible. The next person to testify was Christy Gibson Marshall, an assistant principal at Oxford High. She testified that she heard shots and actually moved toward them to try to make sure everybody was okay. She encountered one of the victims who lost his life, Tate Muir, laying on the ground in a hallway. That's when she encountered a shooter. Did you say anything to him? When he got close enough to me that I could, I mean, we were sharing the hallway, so he was kind of walking down the center and I was kind of over to the side, so that's, we're probably, what, three feet apart. I, um... Asked him if he's okay. It just didn't seem right that it would be him. He just. So I need to back up just a little bit. When you saw, you didn't know who it was at first. A student down the hallway. You said he had lowered his arm. I knew it was a shooter when he was down the hallway. Okay. Could you see if he was holding anything? I could see a gun. At that point, were you? Was he walking towards you or away from you? He's walking towards me. It was when I realized it was Ethan that I didn't think he could possibly be the shooter is what happened. But like, I know I said I knew he was a shooter down there because I could see, I could rationalize that that is a gun. He is putting that gun down. He just shot something. You said you said something to him? Yeah, I, I, it seems so odd that it was him. So I said, buddy, are you okay? What's going on? And when he didn't respond to me and he looked away, that's when I knew it was him, that he was the shooter. Did he point the gun at you? He did not. What did you do at that point? I got on the walkie and I told, um, I told my team that I have eyes on a shooter and I have a victim. And prosecutors showed surveillance video of Gibson Maxwell in that hallway with the shooter. Everybody in the courtroom was pretty emotional from Gibson Maxwell to the defendant, to her attorney, to even the jurors, this according to people in the courtroom. Defense attorney Shannon Smith even appeared to sob during some of the testimony, and that was addressed when the jury was out of the room by the prosecution. This court, upon the defense's um, request, instructed the prosecutors not to show emotion. You instructed the prosecutors to tell our witnesses not to show emotion. Well, and you instructed I us to let our victims know. I don't think that's actually what I, I understand said. the ruling, Your Honor. I yeah. do. You're concerned about influence of the jury. I, yeah. I, have, I take no issue with it. But it was a difficult thing. It's difficult, and we're doing it. And then to have not just the defendant, her lawyer, sit there sobbing. So I, that I did not I, sob. I just, I just want to finish, Your Honor. I just want to finish. I, I just, I, I think if... If that is the instruction, we are trying really hard to respect the court's instruction because I understand the reason for it. Okay, I didn't tell people not to show emotion. I, I some of that is involuntary, um, but there there have been times in this courtroom during trials when people will show facial expressions or they'll or you know things like that or or make comments. I understand. This is very emotional situation for everyone here, right? I, if someone was audibly sobbing in the, the audience, I would hope that they would exit 
I, and as you said, you know, the reason for it, I didn't tell anybody not to, to show emotion. I, I guess some emotion is involuntary. So I, I guess I'm, I'm asking what you're asking of me. I just, I think it just, it, it, it should apply to both, both sides. Okay. Your Honor, first of all, I was not sobbing. And this is horrific. This I've is never, horrific. I've never seen this before. It's okay. horrific. That's okay. why we asked the court not to play it. I. This is horrific. I don't know how but, the prosecutor okay, this. She's okay. watched it a hundred times with these it. witnesses. It. It's horrific. You've had, the, you've had this video you, for two, over two years. I don't know. I don't have this video. I have to go to their office to watch it. I, you've seen it. No, it? I, I haven't because it's not necessary. It's not relevant to my client's case. We've already litigated this, but we're, we're doing our best. We were not sobbing or making a scene in any way. All my eye makeup still on. I checked my camera. I'm not gonna, I'm not, I'm not having I need to run to the bathroom. I need a break. Okay, okay, we're having a break. That's what we're doing. And you gotta keep your voices down because- I'm sorry. The, well, I, the, the walls are cardboard in here, so. I'm sorry. Okay, everyone here is human. Right, everyone here is human. I understand that. I just, I, I'm, I'm striving really hard to to give both sides a fair trial. And if uh, if people don't at least try to check themselves to exit, if it's um, that excruciating, which I know it is, I, you know, I'm not a robot. I'm trying to keep myself from sobbing, I'll do it at six o'clock tonight, okay? I appreciate okay. that, Your Honor, that's all I'm asking. Okay. All Your I'm Honor, asking. we don't have the option to leave the courtroom. We're trying our best. We're trying, I promise okay. you, we are trying our best. Okay. All right. Thank all right. you. Everybody needs to take a deep breath. Look, definitely an emotional case for everybody involved here. And as you saw, there was a back and forth about whether defense counsel had seen that video beforehand. So seeing it, hearing it for the first time, it's kind of understandable, but Look, a jury of 12 will decide Jennifer Crumbly's fate. There are five alternates there as well in case any of the jurors have to leave or are dismissed for any reason. And out of the 17 total people picked for the jury, there are 10 women, seven men. Their decision would ultimately be historic. Again, this is the first time in history that a parent has been charged with manslaughter in connection with a mass shooting. Crumbly faces up to 15 years in prison if she's convicted. Trial is expected to last a few weeks, and we are going to be keeping a close eye on it and bring you the most important updates as they develop. That's all we have for you here on Sidebar, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jesse Weber. I'll speak to you next time.